Good morning to you all. 12 months ago when I was doing this here at Robertson for the first time, Hannah and I forgot to get one of our kids out of the car when we first arrived here at church. So I can report to you with utmost confidence and pride, no children left in the car this morning. They're all accounted for. Now we're up to the fourth talk uh, in our series about doubt. Uh, Graham has led us through the first three talks. Uh, if you haven't listened to them, uh, can I encourage you to jump onto our YouTube and watch the videos of them. Uh, they're, they're wonderful in helping to set up some of the framework for us uh, in thinking about doubt. And so we're going to be continuing today uh, with our focus being on overcoming doubt. Uh, and so a special special hello and welcome to anybody who is choosing to tune in with us. Uh, we hope that you can join us here at church uh, as soon as possible. Now, in 2003, Dan Brown published his best-selling thriller, The Da Vinci Code. This book claimed to be based on the fact, sorry, based, uh, claimed to be based on fact uh, and alleged that the Christian faith was a huge conspiracy perpetrated by the Emperor Constantine and the Catholic Church. It claimed that Jesus was not God, but just a man who married Mary Magdalene and had children. It also claimed that the accurate accounts of life, the life of Jesus had been suppressed and excluded from the Bible. Because of the many historical accurate details included in the book, The Da Vinci Code caused some Christians to doubt their faith asking if they could really trust the Bible as a true record of the life, claims and teachings of Jesus. With the enormous success of the Da Vinci Code, a number of reputable scholars, both Christian and non-Christian, set out to debunk the claims of the book and provide true, accurate historical accounts. Those who had doubts raised through reading the Da Vinci Code could be supported and helped to overcome their doubts through the materials produced by their scholars. Uh, this example that the Da Vinci Code provides for us helps us to understand one way in which doubt can be caused and how we can counter it. There are, of course, many other sources of doubt for Christians, uh, as well as many other ways to address doubt. But this helps to remind us that doubts for Christians are normal and they are challenges that can be overcome. Uh, so before we progress any further I'd like to pray for us as we consider this topic of doubt please pray with me father we thank you for your word to us and we thank you this morning that we can look and consider uh, this topic of doubt once again please have our hearts and minds open and ready to hear your word to us uh, and how we should best respond to it we pray this in Jesus name amen our passage that was read earlier from 2 Peter uh, and you're welcome Graham for giving you the opportunity to do a bible reading uh, 2 Peter is one of numerous parts of the New Testament that confronts doubt head on. In the passage, Peter tackles the doubts of Christians within the early church, uh, specifically doubts about whether Jesus will return. Uh, let's look at verses 3 and 4 again together. Above all, uh, sorry, above all, you must understand that in the last day, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Uh, that there is, is the question of doubt that what Jesus has promised will not come true. 
And so in response to the mocking sceptics that claimed that Jesus would not return, Peter reassures his readers that Jesus will keep his promise and return. He reminds us that God kept his promise of judgment in the past and explains that God's view of time is not the same as ours. What may seem like a long delay for us is nothing in God's perspective. So with the Da Vinci Code and 2 Peter serving as examples of doubt and responses provided, we can take some ideas about what to do about doubt. So in your outline, you'll see as well in the middle section, uh, there's a bit of a template that's got our headings that we're going to follow from here on. Uh, So if you are the note-taking type, uh, please feel free to use that section uh, within the bulletin that you were given. So what to do about doubt? First of all, admit that you have doubts. Our very first step should be admitting that we have them. Unfortunately, many Christians are embarrassed to admit that they have doubts, and sadly, some churches are condemning and critical of those who experience doubt. This, of course, can make it very difficult for people to seek help from others. But as we've heard earlier in our series, doubt is normal for Christians, and we should not suffer in silence. Uh, We certainly do not wish for doubts to grow and fester and turn into unbelief. We'll never be able to address our doubts if we're in denial and pretend that they don't exist. Psalm 42 is a great example to us where the author of the psalm had to admit that his soul was downcast before he was able to minister to himself and renew his hope in God. So if you're struggling with, the issue, with issues of doubt, start by acknowledging that your doubts exist so that you can begin to address them. The next step is to identify the roots or the origins of our doubt. Just like a doctor can only treat a patient effectively if they have the right disease, uh, diagnose the correct disease and its cause. The same way, our doubts can only be addressed if the root causes are also identified. The various writers of the New Testament demonstrate great partial skill in identifying the causes of their readers' doubts and applying the truth of the gospel to strengthen their faith. And we should seek to do the same thing. There are a few common causes of doubt which we can group things into. Uh, they can be op- multiple of them can be operating at the same time for a person. Uh, we're going to quickly look at the three main causes of doubt individually. First of all, we may have doubts that are a result of physical rather than spiritual problems. Human beings are a complex whole, so our physical health impacts our thoughts, feelings, and spiritual life. Periods of tiredness, exhaustion, illness, or medical conditions can cause doubts for Christians. For example, it's common for new parents to ask questions of God's goodness when their baby is crying in the middle of the night for what seems like the thousandth night in a row. Their tiredness and fatigue draws out questions that the new parents might not have been asking otherwise. Uh, And you can see a sneaky photo that Hannah once took Uh, demonstrating exactly what new parents may be feeling like. Now, a second cause, a second root of doubt can be found in our thinking and in our intellect. Though we were created for rational thought, and Romans 12 tells us that our minds are renewed 
when we have faith in Christ, we still remain susceptible to intellectual arguments that seem to call our faith into question. We can see this through new ideas, new information, new theories, like those proposed in the Da Vinci Code. These ideas can be unsettling and challenging when we don't feel like we have an adequate answer or response to what we're being confronted with. The third cause, common cause of doubt are rooted in our experiences in life and the emotions and feelings that come attached with them. This is often because a person's experiences do not match up with their belief in God or what the Bible says of Christian life. The apparent inconsistency between what they believe and what they actually experience can cause doubts about faith. Uh, this is often common when we experience suffering or we watch others who are enduring suffering. For example, in the book of Job, Job was not caused to doubt by intellectual questions of how God could allow suffering. He knew full well that there was great suffering in the world, but he did doubt his faith when he and his family were directly affected by suffering. Many of the Psalms also express the, the struggle for faith of people wrestling with suffering and those who are in anguish because of it. So our first two steps have been to admit that we have doubts and to identify the root causes of them. We need to move on as our third step to some action attached to them. We need to address doubt in some practical ways. So if we were to summarise this whole section, addressing doubt in one go, I think it would sound something like this. If you are struggling with issues of doubt, you need to seek the help of Jesus and of mature believers who know the Bible and love God, who will be able to listen to you, pray with you, pray for you, and speak the truth of the gospel in your life to address the roots of your doubt. I know a bit of a long, big summary, but we're going to break that down into sections now too. The starting point for addressing doubt is to come to God through Jesus and tell our Heavenly Father how we are struggling and ask that he would be merciful and help us to overcome our doubts. You see, we can come to Christ with confidence that he will be sympathetic because he was also human and tempted to doubt during his earthly life. When he was in the wilderness after his baptism, Satan tempted him to doubt his identity as the Son of God and to doubt that God would protect him from harm and to doubt that going to the cross was necessary. Jesus resisted this temptation and did not succumb to unbelief. But this shows us that he knows what it's like to be in a position where we have questions about what we believe. So if you are experiencing doubts, or when you are experiencing doubts, cry out to Jesus. He will understand. Tell him why you are doubting. Ask him to overcome your doubts. It's also important to remember here that your relationship with God does not depend on your faith being perfect. Your relationship with God is secure because you have been united with Christ, forgiven of your sins and are therefore justified in God's sight. It's also helpful to remember God's promises to his people. In the end, the key to overcoming doubt is to choose to trust God's word and his promises rather than believing the voices of others, drawing our own conclusions about the reality of life from our experiences and feelings. We need to have our thinking corrected by God's word 
and bringing our feelings and emotions into line with the truth. And I'm going to say that again because I think it's so important when it comes to doubt. We need to have our thinking corrected by God's, uh, by God and his word and then bring our feelings and emotions into line with the truth. The second Bible reading that we had this morning is a terrific passage which speaks truth to us about what life is really like even when we don't feel like it is. We're going to look at two specific parts of it together now. Verses 28 to 30 say, For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. This section shares the truth that God is working for the good or the benefit of those who love him. Even when we don't feel like the situation we're in is good for us, the truth is that God has a good plan for us and is using those circumstances to be beneficial for us. When we're in these situations, it's easy for us to only see the negatives. Uh, And that's understandable because we're not in a nice or easy position. But that doesn't mean that God isn't working through those challenging situations that you are in. You are actually likely to grow change and improve in significant and important ways because of these challenges. I'm sure that like me you can think of times in your life that were challenging and difficult yet you grew immensely through. The second part of Romans 8 shares another wonderful truth about our lives as followers of Jesus. Verses 37 to 39 say, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation, will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How good is the description we're given of who we are? We're not just conquerors, we are more than conquerors. We're the winners, the champions, those who've overcome an opponent. I don't know about you, but I love winning. And this tells us that's exactly who we are. But let's not miss the even more more important part that follows it. Through him, Jesus, that is, who loved us. We have this status of more than conquerors because Jesus loved us so much that he died on the cross taking our sins upon himself. And the reality, the truth of our relationship gets even better when we're told that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can separate us from the love of God. We're given a list of things that some people might think may be a barrier to our relationship with God or to God loving us. And some of them may sound pretty substantial too. Death, demons, our past actions... Even worse, our future actions that we don't know about yet. Any part of creation, but no, none of it separates us from God's love. But what about the days when we feel like God doesn't love us? No, 
We're not separated from God's love then. What if I'm sacked from my job? No, God doesn't love you any less. What about if I'm grieving the loss of a family member and it feels like God's not there? God loves you dearly in your pain and suffering. What about the times when I don't understand what God's saying to me in the Bible? No, you're not separated from God's love. The truth is that nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love. And when we're tempted to doubt that because of the circumstances we're in or how we're feeling, we need to confidently come back to God's word and to the promises he has for us like those in Romans 8. How else can we address doubt? Well, God graciously provides us with people around us to love, help and support us. Isn't the church a beautiful thing? That means we have many brothers and sisters in Christ to help us in our journey of faith. So if you are struggling with doubt, you should seek the help of a mature Christian. Somebody that you can speak openly and honestly with, who will commit to praying with you and for you. Their experiences may mean that you can, they can provide you with tangible advice. They may provide you with additional thoughts or ideas that you hadn't considered, but help you to think through the situation and your doubts. Uh, I'd say very critically here, a mature Christian is going to be somebody who points you to Jesus, encourages you to read the Bible, and wants the, the Bible shape your response to the situation you're in. So in addressing doubt, our two steps so far have been to turn to Jesus and seek the help of a mature Christian. Our last step is to address the root causes of doubt. Now because the roots of doubt can be so diverse and changeable, it's difficult to provide you with an exact response that's going to be perfect for every, every situation or every doubt that you may have. So instead of providing specific advice for every, situ every situation, let's consider how we can approach the type, different types of roots. For our different types, remember we have physical, intellectual and emotional. There is a huge value in doing what we can to remove, reduce or alleviate the roots as much as possible. If we can take away the thing that is causing us to doubt, then that's a great outcome. This means that there may be physical remedies, rest or relaxation for physical roots. Whereas books, sermons, podcasts, Bible studies, discussions, theologies, theological study or training uh, may be useful ways to understand God's word better and address questions or intellectual doubts that you have. And for emotional roots of doubt, can I encourage you to keep coming back to God's word and being prayerful, asking God to transform our hearts and our minds. I think it's important at this point to state that sometimes there isn't a perfect answer to our intellectual questions or the re relief that we experience from physical or emotional pain is not as swift or as large as we might want it to be. This is what, because our world is imperfect and there are also some things that God has determined will not be known or explained to us. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord. For example, an intellectual root of doubt for some 
maybe the nature of the Trinity. Uh, I think if we were to do ask for a show of hands of who thinks they understand the Trinity perfectly, uh, we'd have very few, even none, going up. God does not explain for us in the Bible how it is possible that Jesus can be both fully man and fully God. It tells us that he is, and that's really important for us to know, but it's not explained. In a similar way, uh, we're not given an explanation in life when one person seems to suffer more than what another person may. With this being the case, we need to be honest enough to admit that we don't have all the answers. However, we can have confidence uh, in what is in the, what the Bible makes clear to us, God's deep love for us seen in Jesus. So what, which, what should we say to conclude all of this? If we can be confident in Jesus, then this is the basis from which we can address all our doubts. This does not mean that we will have the answer to every question that troubles us. Rather, we'll be able to trust that those questions are answered in Jesus. Our trust in him will be so sure that it can transcend the arguments, experiences and emotions that cause us to doubt. The cross demonstrates for us, once and for all, the vastness of God's love and shows us that how, even how the wicked intentions of men and Satan are turned to accomplish God's good purposes. So where we need to, we need to admit we have doubts, identify their roots, and address them. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your deep love for us, that we can see, know, and feel the enormity of when we look at what Jesus did on the cross. We thank you too for the church, the body of Christ, for its diversity knowledge, experience, and the support that we can provide for each other. Help us to care deeply for each other, especially when we have questions and doubts and are finding faithful living difficult. We ask that you would use our circumstances and our doubts to grow and change us to be more like Jesus. Help us to look to you and to your promises when we have doubts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.